Digital. Student-centered. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Joan Sutherland, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello, my name is Joan Sutherland, and today I'm really excited about this podcast. I'm joined by Darren Britton, I'm talking to him today around digital equity, so around accessibility inclusion and delving into that topic today. So hi, Darren. Hello, Joan. How are you doing? Good, thank you, and thanks for joining us on this podcast. No, thank you for having me. It's, it's always uh, always exciting to talk about, you know, digital equity, accessibility, inclusion, all of those things. Um I'm very excited to be here. Thanks. So, Darren, can you please tell us a bit more about your role, your title, and what it is that you actually do? Uh, most definitely. I'll I'll try not to put everybody to sleep, though, because there's some very long <laughs> sure acronyms and titles. Um, <laughs> so I'm currently the National Assistive Technology Project Officer, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is a long title, as part of the National Disability Coordination Officers Program, <laughs> um, which has run out of, um, it's now Department of Education. <laughs> there's lots of changes okay. with the government um, through there. It's um, and I sit alongside the Australian Disability Clearinghouse and Education and Training, so my role aligns with 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 them or Adset. Um, okay. So for those that are unfamiliar, um, Adset is yeah clearinghouse for a whole bunch of things on uh, inclusion, accessibility, um, and disability. So there's a lot of long yeah, titles there. There's a lot so of long titles there. What do you actually there. do in those roles? In those yeah. roles, um, yeah. uh, many things. It's it's largely focused on the assistive technology and accessibility, digital um, space particularly. Um, and we particularly saw during you know COVID, um, which we're still not out of yet, mm-hmm. and there's still some working from home teaching remotely. Um, you know how much of an impact you know digital equity or accessibility played in that in, in that space. You know the mm-hmm. sudden transition to. Um, to I think practically uh, most yeah. of Australian uh, studies going online, particularly in in the tertiary sector, um, it was um, yeah there was there was a big a big gap suddenly became became apparent um, in terms of those that could access those that couldn't um, and I mean digital equity covers things even like those that didn't even have a computer or a laptop that were relying on institutional right. machines yeah. um, you know through to you know incarcerated students so in co- digital equity you know is it, it, a big mix of giving people access to education in the digital space um, okay. in all its shapes and forms so, um, and then one day a week I work at Deakin um, uh, with uh, with some wonderful people there with the accessibility champs and with some students at mm-hmm. Deakin um, where we focus on how can we do things better. That's great. It's always good to do things better, especially in this space. But one thing that you've highlighted is around digital equity and we all, we often talk about accessibility and inclusion. Can you just um, define those for me and what you mean by digital equity? I, I might look at it probably differently for many people, because I've been talking in the accessibility space for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and accessibility has often been seen as a dirty word. I think inclusion's mm-hmm. had much more of an impact, but inclusion has cultural, gender, um, a whole range of things associated with it. And you'll find people saying we're very inclusive, but that mm-hmm. doesn't relate to accessibility. It doesn't right. relate to there's accessibility offline, there's accessibility online. So I tend not to necessarily dis- differentiate the two, but put it into that digital equity um, framework of you know in into the online space um, of where are we actually being equitable 
you know, and that might cover some things like gender, like some bits and pieces, but largely it would be the accessibility um, nature of what happens. Um, and some people do certainly see them as being the same thing, um, mm -hmm. and, and they're not. Um, there is a uh, there is a really good definition around you know accessibility. Uh, I've forgotten exactly what it is. Something along the lines of you know accessibility is having you know that access to inclusion is being invited in in the first place. Um, mm -hmm. So you might be invited in, but you still don't have access um, yes. to something. Um, and that often happens, you know, we'll, we'll build, you know, with the best intent, we'll put courses and subject units and things online and we'll design them really well, but then we don't give somebody a key to get in, so to yes. speak. Somebody can't log in or they don't have the technology um, to, to you know, see what's there or it's all images and I can't, you know, if you can't see images, then... Mm -hmm for all best intent um it's no different than i could give you a whole book in braille and say that's perfectly accessible yes. it is to one person or somebody that can read braille it's not to everybody else um you know so there is no one thing um yeah and you mentioned before around um covid19 how the transition online highlighted a number of i suppose inequities in um digital equity so can you uh, talk a little bit more about that how covid19 has shifted the paradigm around accessibility and inclusion or and in a positive or a negative way i think in in one of the one of the most obvious ways to start with was for deaf and hard of hearing you mm -hmm. know, students um, in particular, with education moving online. Um, and there was a lot of the tools like Zoom, Teams, um, mm -hmm. maybe Collaborate, Ultra, you know, there was a few different tools that were being used at the time that really had a very small, um, I suppose, presence of uh, the ability to auto-translate and transcribe. Um, mm -hmm. So the automatic, automatic transcriptioning um, that was happening. But within within about 12 months, if not less, those tools became really good. A lot of time and money was invested into right. making sure that live transcripts could happen or right, automatic right, ones. Look, while mm. they're not they're not 100%, they're far from in some cases, yeah. and it does depend on the speaker. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of work, I think, done at that time, I think, mm. from across the sector, how do we include some uh, deaf and hard of hearing students? Mm. Um, I know Adset put together um, some guides, got some funding for some COVID response. So there's a guide for supporting um, hard of deaf and hard of hearing students. And that was a direct response um, to that. And then we've since then, we've also developed the blind vision impaired guidelines for students in, in tertiary. And that was highlighted, I think, just even before, just going back slightly before COVID, it was highlighted in a, uh, I think it was the 2018 report um, by Vision Australia, which was titled Online and Off Track, which was about you know, a number of students that are in higher education um, that were having, you know, complete struggles with the online environment um, from, you know, partial access to no access to, um, you know, and, and most of that hinges around accessibility. Right. And so those guidelines, is that, you know, you uh, mentioned that it's around tertiary education. So is that, um, was that created in consultation with a number of institutions? Because I'm aware that you're a part of a community of practice. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, yeah, the, the guidelines were were created, you know, in consultation. Adset consults with, you know, a range of different uh, providers. Uh, the the deaf guidelines, I'm not sure. That was just a little mm -hmm. bit before my time. Yeah. Um, the but the blind and vision impaired guidelines were in consultation and largely developed, you know, along with the Blind Citizens Australia, along with some Vision Australia representation. So there was a, you know, like most things, there's an advisory committee um, that's mm -hmm. put together that has their input into and that makes up of students' lived experience, individuals, you know, a whole range of people got to have a say. Um, 
and put their parts in. And so we had way too much information, as you always do, and then tried to put that down um, and cull some of that into really handy how-tos. You know, So we really wanted the guide to be a practical guide for academic staff um, that are putting courses together or delivering things online. You know, What are some of the things I can do? How can I do some of this better? Um, and there's an e-learning course which has been developed for that, which sits at um, disabilityawareness.com.au. Mm -hmm. um, that's there, which is kind of an introduction to that. And it sits alongside, there's a UDL program, you know, Understanding Universal Design for Learning and things which Adset has uh, developed as well. So those guidelines are available uh, for people to use now. I suppose what are some key considerations to design uh, digital uh, for digital equity in relation to um, online learning? And ten, a couple of things that educators can do today, I suppose, to make their units more digitally equitable. Yeah, I, most people are often surprised when, you know, if I, with my hat on and I'd say what I think is the most important is probably, you know, some captions, but it's certainly not. Yeah. Um, it, it depends on your viewpoint. But most of the things people can do is not, it, it, they're not really big ticket items. Okay. Most of the things is just rethinking how we currently do things. If if we're putting some material, you know, into a Word document, for instance, um, which most academics would start maybe from, you know, a Microsoft Word document, you know, putting in things like headings, um, mm. are really important, actual styled headings um, from the system, not, you know, 16-point bold does not a heading make um, kind of thing, actually putting in headings level one, level two, level three. These are key navigation markers um, mm. for, for a lot of different technologies, but in particular for some blind students that may be using screen reading software. You know, that's how you navigate um, a book, um, a book or a reading, um, etc. And it's it's no different to how the online space operates as well. There's headings in the online space, um, mm -hmm. and that's how you navigate around. Right. So I also um, sit with a um, we've established, sorry, uh, positions established a um, that established a um, assistive technology community practice, um, and that looks at the you know the actual technology that we can empower students with that help them to do you know some of this work in order to navigate you know systems etc. Mm -hmm. um, depending on disability, and that consists of I think there's around 33, 34 um, members um, from different institutions, or there's over 40 members, so 34 or something institutions, um, TAFE and uh, and universities across Australia and all states and territories, and mm -hmm. um, we've got some colleagues from New Zealand in there as well. Okay. Um, so QR after all our uh, New Zealand uh, listeners um, that might be there. It's... Um, yeah, so we meet like every five weeks and we discuss, you know, current trends, what's happening. And it's not surprising that we're all kind of in the same boat. So it's really interesting to sit and see what's happening across, across many institutions and see we're all, we've all got the similar problems. We're all, we've got some deaf students, we've got some blind students, yeah. we've got um, ADHD students, we've got a whole range of things, um, you know, and working out what works, what bits of tech are we now currently using what best supports students online and you know that's starting to change with a lot of things coming back face to face um mm -hmm. you know and we've again we've got some students um this came up a few months ago some students coming back um and one of them you know is now in third year that hasn't ever set foot on campus because they've been no, remote the sounds, whole time and so there's a whole range of new, new challenges coming into how yeah. do I now work in an, mm -hmm. in an offline space um, yes. and finding they have to completely readjust the way that they study. Mm. Um, it, mm. you know, it worked well while they're online and for some students it's been fantastic. So talking about silver linings for some students with anxiety and social yeah. um, things, etc., um, 
you know, the COVID situation was brilliant. brilliant <laughs> that yeah. allowed them to not be in a in a large room um, yeah. with a whole bunch of students. So, no, it's it's been uh, it's been really interesting. Um, so you mentioned that community of practice being across thirty three institutions or whatnot across TAFE and higher education. Um, given it's a community of practice, are you finding that you put um, problems forward and then someone else has already solved that problem and you learn from each other, or is it about finding new solutions or um, how to make everything? Um, the digital equity better, I suppose, and more impactful. Yeah, it's a good question. I, th- I think it's it's a bit of both, yeah. um, you know, and it's largely, you know, we'll prompt some questions and go around and ask everybody the same questions. Mm-hmm. Um, like leading up to Global Accessibility Awareness Day, we're asking, yeah. you know, what's worked really well at your institution? What's something mm. that's um, – that, so you'll hear other institutions going, well, that's amazing. We'd never thought yeah. of doing something like that. <laughs> or, or the general question is, how could you afford that? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a kind of general it's always response, the funding, isn't response. it? Um, yeah. You know, and and so just to hear from colleagues that they don't really get that much of an opportunity to do, and again yeah. with a lot of conferences being moved online, other things, those those abilities to you know stand around and have a coffee and you know yeah. have a have a have a conversation with somebody. And go, oh, that's fascinating. I, you yes. know, that wasn't a presentation, that wasn't so hearing you know colleagues and. Um, <laughs> Talk about mm-hmm. those things. It, it's um, uh, one one brought up something about ninety percent of their exams um, are now gone. Formal exams. They've now mm-hmm. got other forms of assessment. Yeah. And go ninety percent of them. Yeah, we're not going back. And then yeah. you hear other institutions that are going full on. We're going back yeah. to face to face kind of exams um, mm-hmm. and you know formal exams. So it's uh, it, it's interesting. And I think everybody's struggling. What are we coming out of COVID? You know, mm-hmm. so how. how what does this look like? And nobody knows. Mm. So do we hedge it all into the online space? Do we hedge back into doing a yeah. bit of both? Is it blended? Is it is it not? And what does you know, it actually look like? Digital equity is playing in all of those spaces. So it's a it's yeah. an interesting time. It really, it is interesting hearing um, from a learner experience design perspective. So we look at like the um, a unit as a, a whole, the assessment, the formative, the summative, and then how it feeds into the course-wide structure. But you look at everything across the board um, from exams, every absolutely everything, do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, it's really interesting to hear what you're actually doing in that space and how do you actually, how do you actually um, make sure that, institutions and individuals are being mindful of digital equity. Is there anything that you can do? Um, that that's a tough question, and every institution yeah. is different. It's 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 the silver bullet, and, I, and again, yeah. I don't think there is one. No. Um, I largely come from the viewpoint that. You know, we can't make everything 100% accessible. No. You know, it's an impossible mission. You would be you would yeah. be chasing your tail forever. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, a, a Braille book is perfectly fine for somebody that can read Braille. Yeah. Um, but to some others, so you know, there's people go, "What's the one document format I can do? Yeah. Or what's the one thing I could do with this?" And you're like, "There's a whole series of things." Mm. Um, and you know, being able to you know keep in touch with the students, and that's largely where the assistive tech comes from. These are people who are dealing yeah. with the students. We get that immediate feedback. We get that lived experience, yeah. and some of the people um, certainly have their own lived experience that are on the uh, community practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and along with that, sorry, I forgot to mention earlier with um, uh, with Deacon. I've been working with with a bunch of students or a group of students there, mm-hmm. which is was piloting and establishing a SWAT team. So they're our students with assistive tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's about some peer to peer support. It's about some advocacy. It's about some mm-hmm. education, um, and um, 
Yeah, and that's now being rolled out. Um, mm. And we've had, um, I think we've got seven or something interested institutions at the moment that we're looking at expanding that into. Um, yeah. But having that direct lived experience from the students, finding out what's working, what isn't, well, mm -hmm. my priorities might be slightly different. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the students will bring up some things that, um, nobody's considered because we're not there. You know, put yourself back in the position of being the student mm. inside the subject, saying you know the educators put it together with more often than not the best intent. Yeah. Um, you know, and a student will then come in and just go, "Well, that doesn't work Actually, very well." Yeah. <laughs> and you go, "Well, sometimes that can be a shock to people." <laughs> you know, so oh, that's yeah. what we're saying. So trying to think that mm. you're covering all bases is difficult. Yeah. So we tell people generally, you know take a breath you know it yeah. shouldn't be this difficult there's there's yeah. lots you're never going to get 100 percent right um, and there is a and there is a fear of stepping into that space it's not an mm -hmm. area that most people are very you know well well educated or aware of mm -hmm. so you know those little things that people can do and most of it is the low-hanging fruit kind of stuff yeah. it's using some headings it's if you're mm -hmm. going to link off to a video link to something that already has some captions you know just yeah. have a look um you know you can't be in control of you know I suppose why well, I would say, you know, roughly probably 50% of the content inside a unit mm. isn't owned by that unit. You're yes. linking out to other people's resources, but mm. link to better resources. Better resources, If you can, yeah. link to things which are text-based, link to things mm. that have a transcript um, if you've got those. And that's, I suppose, yeah. the other push is a lot of things is now media. We're going into media-based yeah. um, things. You can keep them short, you can keep them simple. Mm. You know, talking heads anyway look there's lots and lots, there's lots a lot, of lots. i'm hearing to, there's so much things. that we can do it's just what yep. you actually do and i think having this conversation is a great start that people yep. are listening to it and then what they do with it is up to them so i'll pop the yep. um resources that you've mentioned in the um the resources below this podcast but I suppose just to tie it all together, you so you've talked a lot about the resources, the communities of practice, looking at the institutional level, looking at the uh, individual level at Deakin with students and looking at their needs and how that, what solutions you've come up with and how that meets their needs or doesn't meet their needs. And then that going back out to institutions. So that's great. I suppose for you, um, from a personal note, what would you like to see in the next couple of years, given that COVID has had a transformation, but what would you love to see? I know silver lining, blue sky thinking um, for uh, digital equity across institutions? Um, that's... <laughs> It's it's that's a very loaded question as well. Yes. There's lots of things. Um, if there was one thing, and I don't think we're ever going see. to get it right. That's the reality, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And I'm very pragmatic in that sense. The, we've got you know augmented reality certainly yeah. taking off, um, yeah. virtual reality, you know, and that will include a lot of people that weren't yes. feeling included before. Where you yeah. can have your own avatar and those kind of things, yeah. um, but it will also exclude yeah. um, a lot of people as okay. well, you know. And I think I think the future looks better. I, mm. I really do. I'm a bit of an optimist Please. in that sense because we're moving into a bit more micro-credentialing, lifelong yes. learning. Yes. Um, you know, people will be in touch with their institutions ongoing, you know, and do, and doing not three, four-year degrees um, kind yes. of thing. Maybe, you know, in 10 years' time we might be doing, you know, we'll just be coming in, learning the skill that we need for now mm. um, and That's then going it. and applying that in the workplace. Yeah. Um, and, and the students are certainly some of the best feedback, but I will give a quick plug. You know, there's some other work yes. at Deakin that's going on in the behind the scenes, um, as I said, with Danny McCarthy and the Accessibility yes. Champions yeah. um, project there. And that's around 
everyday accessibility, things that everybody can actually do, because it is everybody's role to be involved in accessibility. Yeah. You know, from that document you might be putting mm -hmm. together for somebody else to put online, from that yes. open day guide that's being developed from um, from the actual introduction to a course or that video or the language that's used mm -hmm. inside that video, you know, from you will be studying this into we will be studying this, can have a completely different mindset on students. So looking mm -hmm. at it, we, we, I'm included. We. You said we. <laughs> we will be looking at this rather than you need to go and yeah. study this and you need to go and do this yeah. um you know so I, i'm optimistic and the tools are getting Good. better as i said captioning's yes. come along of there's course. a whole range of things that are yeah. that are um that are in development that um you know will be solved and then we'll have new issues and new absolutely challenges. well it sounds like exactly what you said with new technologies comes new challenges but how we think about accessibility and inclusion and bringing it from the start and starting with everyone versus making it one department's issue, yeah? So, uh, exactly. look, I'd like to thank you so much for your time, Darren. It was really insightful conversations. And, um, yeah, thank you. And any lasting comments that you'd like to leave? Um, no, thank you, everybody. Um, get get accessible. Um, there's some yes. things there. <laughs> and we'll give some links. And I'll also I'll, I'll provide a link as well to some student podcasts um, that the That'd students at Deakin have been doing, which are a fantastic listen. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Joan. Bye.